Welcome, everybody, to another episode of 9450 in NBA Podcast. We're taking a break from the daily storylines of the NBA just to talk about some of the big takeaways we've seen from the first quarter of this NBA season. 9450 in NBA Podcast. Let's get it. They're playing basketball. Uh, all around the world. Uh, uh, to the beach, y'all. All right, guys. So it feels... It was not too long ago as we were here recording in the offseason, talking about what we were looking forward to with the season, the storylines we thought we might see, who might be running the table, the Warriors, and we're here and it's already been a quarter of the season. Everyone's played right around 20 to 21 games, and so we're just going to take a little bit right now to talk about, you know, what surprised you, what what stood out just in this first quarter, and Ryan, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Just looking at these first 20, 21 games, you know, seeing how it's all kind of set out in the West and the East, what's really jumped out to you? To me, what's jumped out the most is that, at least in my opinion, the East is more exciting than the West. Absolutely. For the first time in quite a few years, especially when it comes to the competition within the top four, yeah, the race is going to be tied through the West, but it's been like that for, what, four or five seasons at this point? Uh, but the fact that, you know, the, the big discussion with different pundits and media outlets and, and sports has been, there's no parity in the NBA. Wah, wah, wah. The West is so much well, better. Baby. All these woo babies complaining about it. Well, you finally got what you want. The East is back. And in a lot of instances, they're more exciting yeah. uh, than, than the West. Well, I was so say, it's a totally different feel this year. Yeah, I guess if we look back for the last three years, every big, like, TNT game or Sunday night in the NBA, like all the games that were hyped, it was always Warriors Rockets or Rockets Thunder or, you know, even last year when the Jazz were kind of hot and becoming a, a fun team to watch. And this year, it seems like all the big headline games are Celtics Sixers or Raptors Bucks. And the focus for the first time in I don't know how long seems to have really shifted to the East. And I think Kawhi's trade alone did help that. Uh, just bringing one more massive storyline to to go along there. Giannis reaching what's getting close to his full potential. And then just these growing Sixers and Celtics teams putting it together. And lastly, but probably most important, LeBron being gone. Uh, it was almost in a similar way to we talking about the West. We're like, oh, but the Warriors are going to come out of it. Last year, every time these East storylines started, it's all like, yeah, but LeBron's making it to the finals, you know? But I almost feel like adding LeBron to this conversation does a disservice to how much better these teams have gotten. Because I think top to bottom when it comes to rosters, uh, if you're looking at the Torontos, you're looking at the Milwaukee's, um, even, I mean, for crying out loud, the, the Pistons at the four seed or the Pacers at the five seed. I think, you know, blaming their success or attributing their success to the lack of LeBron uh, it does a disservice to how much these teams have grown. I don't think it's the... I'm not trying to say their success is because he's gone. I'm saying they're getting the media attention that they deserve with actual credibility That's because fair. it's That's just fair. like in the West and we do this ourselves, probably me the most, but like whenever we're talking about a hot team in the West, we all kind of just end it with, well, the Warriors, you know what I mean? And for the East now, like there's no big bad wolf guarding the finals for the first time in forever. And so I think that's a big part, but it's been exciting. Philip, what are kind of your, your thoughts on the East now? Do you think, that they really are more entertaining than the West, or do you just think it's a shift a little bit in in what we feel is the normal storyline, just because the West was so saturated, I guess, with all the talent? That's a tough question because top 
three teams in the East, Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly. Do I want to watch them over the Clippers, Denver, and OKC right now? <laughs> yes. Yes. But then when it comes to the conference's top to bottom, do I want to watch 5 through 10 in the East or 5 through 10 in the West? It's the West For every sure. time. So we can talk about the top teams in the East improving, but you still have the Orlando Magic right now sitting at a playoff spot Eight, at, baby, 11 and, 11 and at 11 and 12. And then Houston's on to the playoffs right now. Minnesota's not. Utah's not. New Orleans not. I think I think it's safe to say all of them are significantly better than Orlando. All of them are probably significantly better than Boston. Or not Boston, not Boston, Charlotte. My fault. My fault. Ooh. Yeah, I was looking at standings. Ooh. I was looking at standings. That was coming in hot. <laughs> yeah, that was spicy. So I like the improvement. I like the improvement of the Eastern Conference. But they still don't match up to the West top to bottom. I got you. But here's the thing. Like, night in, night out, and maybe it's just because I didn't expect it, but I, the Pacers are fun to watch night in, night out to see what Victor Oladipo is going to do. You got somebody on the rise like, you know, Sabonis, who uh, was kind of overlooked in the trade from the Thunder, now playing a huge role with the Pacers. Boston, yeah, they're sitting at the sixth seed, but Kyrie's starting to take over again. They're starting to figure things out. They're looking great. And to be honest, when Charlotte plays, yeah, they're the seventh seed, but the way Kimball Walker's playing this season, if they're on television, I'm going to tune in to see what Kimba's doing because nobody else is playing from a guard perspective quite at the level that Kimba is right now. Uh, from from a, a hype perspective, from um, just sheer number of, or volume of of points and carrying a team like he is uh yet you take out the outlier of the magic uh one through seven's fun to watch yeah, i think one thing that has been a, a pretty decent takeaway for me in terms of just how this first quarter of the year has gone the focus has been predominantly on which teams have disappointed us and it's taken the focus away from which teams are doing well and it's not sure if there's a correlation or not. And so, like, if we look at the West, we were talking, you know, huge storylines have been the disappointment of the Jazz, the disappointment of the Rockets, the disappointment of the Pelicans, the disappointment of the Spurs. Like, teams that we all thought had chances to be real locks in the West, and we're so focused on them. I mean, the Rockets, for sure. Like, what a weird turn of events that's been. And so you have the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Grizzlies and the Lakers and the Mavericks. Like, those teams you it's just weird like I don't know if I should focus on how impressive they have been or how bad the other teams have been that we thought would be good and it's just been it's been odd and it's made it a little hard for us I think to kind of guess who's actually going to be in the playoffs in the west which we've not really had to do to this extreme before because I get last year you know two through nine I guess was what separated by four games so like they were all real close but after that nine spot, there was a massive drop-off. And props to the Suns. The Suns are the only real crap team in the West because the 14 seed in the West is 10 and 12. And if you remember, 10 and 12 is good for the eight seed in the East right now. Like, the West is weirdly competitive across the board except for the Suns, which I'll eventually quit saying and we'll just say competitive in the West. But it's it's really weird, Philip. going back to your point. It's who's more interesting, the middle of the pack west which is slowly becoming the entire west or the east where there's actually some you know disparity in terms of the raptors and the bucks and the sixers who should be winning these games in the bottom of the east which is just kind of a 
a blah game to watch. And again, the parity in the East is something to enjoy, but when it comes to the quality of the basketball, the West is still beating up on the Eastern Conference fairly decently. I think it's something at this point after tonight, you're looking at something like 65, 47, 65 to 50. Mm-hmm. So the West still has a comfortable advantage over the East in those head-to-head matchups, but it's still fun to keep up with the Eastern Conference. But then if you look big picture, too, it's if you're the Orlando Magic and you're a fan of them, are you going, yay, we're going to squeak out an eight seed and miss out on the lottery? Or are you going, uh-oh, we're not tanking very well? I think another thing to note, you know, going back to the disappointments we were talking about, the two teams that we kept talking about were the Wizards and the Rockets, right? Fair to say Wizards-Rockets were the two we were most disappointed in. Yep, turnaround. I would say quietly they're both now at the nine looking at an eighth seed. Uh, So there's still 75% of the season to be played. Um, Slow starts have happened kind of across the board, uh, except for the teams that we thought would be at the bottom who – like uh, the Clippers, for example, are 15 and six. Um, but these teams that started off really slow are figuring it out. Uh, and don't be surprised to see both the Wizards and the the Rockets pull off uh, a turnaround. So this is going to be an interesting thing to keep up with as the season progresses, especially in the West with Memphis and the Clippers specifically. Can they basketball their way into the playoffs or will their lack of talent eventually catch up with them because when it comes to Houston, Minnesota, even maybe we get down into New Orleans, you're looking at teams with more talent, at least top heavy talent than the Clippers and Memphis, but they play exceptional basketball right now. Yeah. And again, just looking at both sides of the conferences and see how it is, what'll be really interesting in and next year for those who may not know the lottery system is shifting in terms of the percentages. So now one through three in terms of the bottom of the league all have the exact same percentage of getting the number one overall pick. And so it technically in a way is trying to deter tanking. And it looks like in the West, a lot of teams who were, you know, top 10 picks last year are all making those great pushes. The Mavs, great push. The Grizzlies had the number four pick. People forget that. And a lot of it was because of those injuries. But there's, there's been so much growth from a lot of bad teams. And what's crazy to think is that the West has one team in single digits in terms of wins, and that is the Suns comfortably at, like, what, four, I think. Um, the East has seven. And so next year, and this is really looking ahead, this upcoming draft class is predicted to be one of the worst in years, like the last 15 to 20 years. And so if there was a year for there to be a lot of bad teams in the East – this is not it for them because they're not going to get kind of injected with all the talent coming in like we looked at this draft class, and we talked about it already. This draft class went heavy to the West. Uh, I think other than the Hawks, what, four of the top five were all in the West. Uh, yeah, Kings, Grizzlies, uh, Luka with the Mavericks is five, and then the Suns. And so it really does look like this draft class has helped the West out with those top heavy picks because we were kind of just talking amongst ourselves, you know, if we were to give out awards right now, who would it be? And Rookie of the Year got brought up. And you're looking at DeAndre Ayton. Sure, the Suns suck, but the kid's putting up a double-double, something that I think the last one to do it was Blake as a rookie. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Ryan, I know one that you were really high on and can touch on. A massive piece for right now a playoff Grizzlies team. Luka single-handedly has brought the Mavs into a playoff spot. Also, and it's, go ahead. did you guys 
see the other night he has officially adapted Dirk's fadeaway to his game. My goodness. Which like he's nuts. Step for step Dirk's fadeaway. So if Dirk can influence him this season and he can take some of Dirk's tools and add it to his already impeccable gameplay, this kid is the future of the NBA and he is exciting. And he has a step back three pointer that's nasty yeah. too. Duke, but uh, Lucas uh, Lucas rookie I, of the year. I will say I think right now my my story in the West is that 1 through 14 are separated by five and a half games. So uh, unless things are crazy and just kind of chalk their way out, we could see a completely new playoff 8. When it comes to the half-season mark, when we kind of recap again and see what's going on. And in the East, we don't quite have that. The East is the exciting top four, top five teams. The West right now is is a mess, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of weird. But, I mean, no one's putting the 14-seed San Antonio Spurs at a, as a guarantee out of the playoffs right now. But, I mean, when was the last time you could be 20-something games into the season and say the 14th team in the West has a chance at the playoffs? Like, that's absurd. Like, that is the one thing that keeps popping up. We talked about one through nine being so close last year and how cool that was, except for, you know, Rockets, Warriors kind of on their tier. But five and a half games back from first place is the Spurs at 10 and 12. Good enough for the 14th spot in the West. So I think that, for me, has been the big one. Um, I know the two of you guys have been pretty high on some players who have had some pretty massive impacts. Ryan, I think, is number one in the Embiid fan club. And let's look at the guys. We talked a lot about the teams. Let's look at the guys that have really been the stories in this first quarter of the year. And, Ryan, I'm going to give you the layup with Embiid. I mean, what have you seen out of this guy You know that even – he still continually impresses me, which is incredible. So what, are, what have you seen in these first 20-so games out of Embiid that's just been incredible for you? What I've seen out of Embiid is the fact that he he has backed up all the crap that he talks to everybody. Yeah. And that is something, if you're going to talk as much as Embiid does and you don't rise to, to that level that you're hyping yourself up to. John Wall is a beautiful you, example. You become a joke. Yep. You become a joke to the league. The fact that Embiid has basically said, I'm coming for MVP. I'm coming for... Every award you can give me, that's what I want. And the fact that he's been able to do that, you know, we were talking off air, you know, looking at Per and what that means. And, you know, his Per hasn't increased that much per 36 minutes. But it's the fact that he is totally leading that team now as well. Uh, and let's be let's be honest, the Sixers has been kind of a circus through the first 20-something games. Ben Simmons doesn't have a jump shot. Markel Fultz, is he going to play? Won't he play? Is he going to get traded? There is a lot of distraction around the Sixers right now. You had the whole uh, issue with um, you know management last season. There's It's set up for the fact that Joel Embiid shouldn't succeed. There's been so much around this. And the fact that he's been able to rise above that I mean, and still elevate his number one game. overall pick of, what, a year ago yeah. is about to get traded because he doesn't know how to shoot a basketball. And he, like, it's crazy you know, stuff. There. He isn't... Your, your typical, uh, the big man that we look at really in the league right now. He's not, you know, tall and lean like Anthony Davis or Giannis, but he's doing things at a size of somebody like Charles Barkley almost. A little bit taller, but thick, thick boy. Thick. But he is able to stretch the floor. He's able to shoot outside. He's improved his free throw. You know, all yeah. these different things that just really has put together an impressive resume for, for Joel Embiid. Uh, and and I, I love guys who talk 
but I'm even more impressed when they're able to back it up. And to me, that's the biggest thing. Well, well, Philip Ryan brought up Giannis. I feel like in terms of just the basketball knowledge here, you know, you're always a big guy when it comes to the numbers and what you're seeing. Giannis is putting on an absolute clinic league league wide. Yeah. Um, when we're talking, I think the consensus around the league right now, the MVP race is between Giannis and Embiid. In terms of their numbers, absolutely incredible. Don't forget to throw Kawhi and, well, in there, too, though. Well, the thing that hurts Kawhi, I think, almost is how well, uh, goodness, completely blanked, uh, Lowry's playing, as well as the extreme depth and how well-rounded they are. And he's just not quite the flashy player, I would say, at least versus a Giannis and Embiid. Uh, what was interesting to me was the stats between Embiid and Giannis. I'm going to bust them real quick for you. We've got Giannis averaging 27, 13 rebounds, six assists, one and a half blocks. This is what's nuts. Near identical. Embiid, 28 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, and two blocks. Numbers are almost identical between these two guys that play such a different style of basketball. And so, Philip, looking at Giannis, what he's done for this Bucks team, what has stood out to you the first 20 games of what he's brought to the table? He's shooting 58% from the field, and he doesn't shoot three-pointers. Not at all. He's a bad three-point shooter. He's at 12%, 11.5% from three-point range, but he's still shooting 57%. As one of their primary ball handlers, which is insane. So getting a little bit nerdy right now, there's a statistic in the NBA, for those of you who don't know. It's in all basketball, but specifically in the NBA, we look at it. Effective field goal percentage. So it adjusts your field goal percentage to take into account that three-pointers are worth more than two-pointers. So if you're knocking down a lot of threes, your effective field goal percentage is going to go up, which would you would think that Giannis's would be lower it's because he's— weighted on the difficulty yeah. of the shot. Almost like a GPA. It's it's AP versus, you know, your yeah. normal credit hour. So you would think his effective field goal percentage would come down because he's not taking and making a ton of threes. It's not. He's at a 58% effective field goal because he can somehow, he can get to the basket and everybody knows that's where he's going. And that's a compliment to It's like Bucks. LeBron. It the, honestly is just like LeBron in the playoffs. Like, you know what's happening, and you just can't do anything about it. Is, it is. But the new wrinkle this year is that the Bucks are still hitting a good clip from three-point range. So he has shooters surrounding him. He is running the offense incredibly well. He's like well. what the Cavs wish they had and last he, year. Yeah, and he is, he's been more efficient than... Embiid has been, which is why I would give him the edge. If we were handing out the MVP today, I would probably lean towards Antetokounmpo because of his because of his efficiency and then because of his defense as well. Their defense is 10 points better when he's on the court. Sixers are still better per 100 possessions, but they're only seven points better. So you have the defense that's a little bit leaning towards Antetokounmpo, and you have the efficiency that's leaning towards him getting the nod as well. But he's not near as petty. <laughs> that is true. Bring, me, bring me that petty, man. man. Tell me tell me over the summer you didn't love when you saw, oh, Giannis just tried a corn dog for the first time, and he I really love, loved no, it. Everybody <laughs> knows I love Giannis. <laughs> like, I have not been shy about that on the podcast, but – I also love Joel Embiid. Those are like those are my two. Yeah, you know, take Dwayne Wade is my favorite player of all time in basketball. Period. That's another conversation for another day. But in the league, the two players behind Dwayne Wade, once he retires, who are the two players I'm going to follow outside of the Phoenix Suns? It's going to be Giannis, and it's going to be Joel Embiid. So, is Joel your MVP at this point in the season? 
the homer in me says yes, but in all honesty, no. Because I, I think Giannis is more valuable to the Bucks than Embiid is to the Sixers. Yeah, and if sure. we're looking basically at what it means to be the most valuable player on a team, I think I think Giannis takes the cake yeah. just because he can do so many different things. We, we talked about it during the offseason how <laughs> – we don't even know how these awards are given, and we'll probably bring that up a whole lot more as the year goes on. But the one thing I think, because statistically you can't really give one an edge, uh, other than if you're looking from three, where, funny enough, the, the bigger guy's the better shooter. Uh, but the one thing in my mind when it comes to most valuable player that gives Giannis the edge is if there's a minute left in the game, who's getting the ball for the team? And... Maybe that's just because Jimmy Butler's there and he's already proving that he's the one that needs it, or the fact that Ben Simmons also is vying for that position. The Bucks know exactly where the ball's going. Giannis is the guy for the Bucks. I think Embiid is the guy in terms of general talent for the Sixers, but when you're looking at who else is around him and who seems to be the one taking care of business late, Butler's a pretty good guy to be right next to you. Giannis doesn't really have that. He has Chris Middleton, who is probably like, the best Robin a Batman could have because he doesn't go for the glory or the attention and just continues to deliver. Uh, But I got to give the edge there to Giannis as well. Well, and I think something happened the other day. You know, you can put weight in it, you can't. But to me, just because of who it was coming from, I thought it really meant a lot. Um, Outside of Dwayne Wade, another, another, you know, one of my all-time favorite players is Shaquille O'Neal. You know, from the time I was young, Shaquille O'Neal was just the guy. Um and the other night, you know, on, on broadcast, he said, I've never given the moniker Superman to another player, but Giannis is Superman. Yeah, he said, pass the cape. Uh, and, and he and he really, you know, to, to get anointed as, as that kind of player, uh, and it to be, I think, a fair assessment. Like, there's things I see Giannis do that I'm not sure LeBron can do anymore. Uh, no, anymore, for sure. And, and, and so, t- to me, Giannis is just... There's a reason they call him the Greek freak. Yeah. There's nobody like Giannis. Well, I think we're all pretty much in agreement here. And I want to just close by, funny enough, a storyline that we haven't talked about, although they dominate most all attention. And that's what we've seen from the Warriors through the first 20 or so games. Uh, if you would have told me the Warriors would be the four seed uh, going into this, I would assume that they were like 20 and two. And there's just three teams that somehow went undefeated. <laughs> Uh, but right now the Warriors are sitting at, I believe, 15-9. and nine. Uh, It's weird, right? Like, I get injuries has played a part in it. Steph came back last night, and they still lost to the Pistons. Uh, but he did have a pretty promising first game back. Looking at the Warriors, most of the attention on them has not been their efficiency in their basketball. It's been the drama and the pettiness in the locker room and the weird stuff going on, do we think we're going to look back on this year and say this is when the dynasty started to shift? Because I, for a long time, was like, no overreaction, no overreaction. They're fine. But it really does seem like something's changing. And I don't know if it's any one thing, but what, what do you guys think? Do you think something's finally starting to change in Golden State? I don't think we can answer that question yet. I really don't. I think let's see what they do because th- they could win another championship this season and then we're not talking about this anymore. That being said, Ethan and I were having a bit of a, you know an argument in the car. I-, I was saying the Warriors are kind of bad right now. Sure, you know they still have some of the best players in basketball, 
but they're four and six in their last ten games. Like I don't think you can argue they're playing great basketball right now. See, and, I think and, the Suns are bad at four and eighteen in their last twenty two. <laughs> but the Suns <laughs> are an winning. outlier. Listen, we're talking we're talking about the West. Four and six in the last ten for a team that is supposed to be thrashing everybody isn't going to cut it. But what stands out to me even more is they're not winning away games. They're four and seven on the road this season. That's something weird. something weird's going on. And sure, you know the big talk is you know they're the second team ever to have three fifty point scores in the same season. If you're not winning games, it don't really matter. Yeah, I it's simplistic. This is overly simplistic. They're fine. They're fine. That's at what, full strength. Uh, yes. At full strength. Ten and two. Steph gets hurt. You go five and six. You get him back your own one. Played a tough game in Detroit. That's Detroit's a tough matchup for them when Draymond Green isn't in there. Because you're relying on Jones, who got hurt in the middle of the game, and then Looney to play big minutes, which you don't want to do. Drummond, you don't want to do against yeah. Drummond and Drummond Blake and Blake Griffin. are gonna beat here's, everyone. Here's, because then because then you have Kevin Durant. So like you play a close game when you're entire when your big men are totally overmatched they're fine there's basketball wise there's nothing to worry about the offseason stuff i think is where the biggest question i agree and, but i that's i guess that's more my question because i mean sure they could win the championship this year but i'm talking big picture dynasty i feel like things have shifted in terms of who's coming back winning covers a multitude of sins and if they win a championship again this is all water under the bridge and remember what david west said like we have no idea what went on Last season, this season, it's probably just it's getting a little more published public, more. Yeah. And and like all of us have had experiences coaching and playing sports. If you're in the midst of a season, it can get nasty with the team because you are with each other so much. And the old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. And there there are times when you just need to get away from some people and have a fresh approach to your craft whatever your sport might be and there is a fresh approach coming within the next month in the form of demarcus cousins coming into the starting lineup and that's going to give everybody on the team a chance to tweak their role play a different role have a little bit different motivation so even when it comes to the team chemistry there's going to be a chance i think they're saying now near around christmas time for them to right those wrongs it's just weird like it's just weird. Like the this whole is NBA is weird right now. Correct. And you said that earlier. Well, and with the the Warriors are kind of like it's that person you look up to growing up who seems bulletproof, right? And then the older you get, you realize they have their flaws. The Warriors have just been so bulletproof for so long that now that we're seeing their flaws, everybody's freaking out. But what you got to realize is when you get older, you learn how the world works, and that's kind of what we're seeing is they're just taking their knocks now. Uh, and I think if they win another championship. You know, this is a completely different conversation a year from today. I full disclosure, I'm a Steph Curry stan. Totally Steph what? Curry stan. Hold on. So you I'm a big like Steph Curry. Big big Steph Curry. Have we fan? talked about this on the podcast okay, before? So is here's, this new? This I'm was just, super interesting. Sure. This was super interesting tonight and so I was on League Pass watching their watching their game. Shout out to you, League Pass. I love you. Amen. Their sponsor their announcers said we're excited to have Steph Curry back for basketball but even more so for the leadership. And then the dude goes for the spiritual vibes he brings to this That's team. Very true. He is, he is an incredible leader yep. when he's, when he's on, when he's clicking, he makes everybody better. So just for the sake of argument and to open up the can of worms, even more about the MVP, let's not forget the two 
real MVP candidates that you have on that Golden State Warrior team with KD, who's at 38 and 6 right now. Steph Curry, ineligible for our quarter of the season award because of how long he's been out, but he's at 29 and a half, 5 and 6. Both of them are over 50% from the field, both shooting over 90% from the free throw line. They have two real MVP candidates on the but, team as let well. Let me ask you this. You take either KD or Steph off the team. I would take KD off if that was the question. No. Spicy. I just want KD off the team. Are they still potentially a top five playoff team? Wait, top five? Yes. I don't think that's so, the no, question. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Take Giannis off Milwaukee. Are they a top five playoff team? That's n- okay. I under I understand oranges, your point. But I understand but your point. No, 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 no. What no. is value? Right. That's what I'm asking. What I, they bring to the team itself to get them where they are. I think the most insightful response to this came from LeBron James back in. It was either I think it was right after Steph won his second, his yeah, second MVP back to back. It was salty, LeBron. It was right? a little bit salty, but also really reasonable. Yeah. Like, okay, you talk about MVP. They won 73 games. Like they they don't need him like the Cavaliers need me was essentially his point but then LeBron says but then LeBron went but wait think about the way the award's been handed out and Steph went 50 40 90 insane 50 was it 50 45 90 it was something some insane metric from every for his shooting for the season and LeBron has a great point when it comes to value it probably should be going to Giannis this year Anthony Davis. I mean, what are the what are the Pelicans without yeah. without AD? What are the Lakers this year without LeBron? But we usually don't do that. It's really an MOP, not an MVP. And that's that's the flaw in the award itself. Is we there needs to either be a decision made. This is the best player award, or this is who is most valuable to their team. And that's a, again a conversation to be tabled probably for yeah, another I'm day. Say, we're but it, uh, that's my biggest pet peeve yeah, with that. Award. We'll definitely have to table the Warriors talk. Because, I mean, am I worried about them not winning it? No. Like, you'd be dumb. Like, if you were a betting man and you had money, it would be stupid not to put your money on the Warriors no matter what. Uh, There's just so many weird things. The beef is weird. Uh, Draymond's mysterious toe injury right after the fight. Weird. Uh, Getting Steph back. You know, the contract's going to next year. It'll be interesting to watch. And I think that's the best way to kind of put a bow on that one. Do we have time for any other topics? Because I have one more thing. Go for it, buddy. If I was a betting man over this summer, I was going to put money down, lock it in on the Los Angeles Clippers with their over-under. Do you guys know what their over-under was this year? It was like 34, right? It was 36. They're on pace right now for 58 wins. So we've talked about our MVP. Coach of the year right now isn't even close. Doc Rivers. Isn't even close. It's Doc Rivers right now. That is No, there's no one else. Insane. Who are you going to throw out? Insane. Who do you think? Don't say Dwayne Casey. I wasn't. I was gonna say JB Bickerstaff. No, with the Grizzlies. Yes, that's fine. But like you're coming from the same. You're no, for right think, now. You're coming Doc from Rivers the same the plane last year. To then the Clippers are in first place right now. The no, Grizzlies I agree. Are in here's what. Well, no, here's I think for the sake of conversation, it's fun to have another one. But I think Doc Rivers is hands well, down the coach of the year. Well, right I'll, I'll at least take it and and give you a comment back. I mean, what I think we're seeing from the Grizzlies is. They were bad last year because their two best players by far were very hurt. Big facts. And the Clippers and were very old. Well, here's the thing: the Clippers last year were still the Clippers. Shout out Joakim Noah, by the way. With, <laughs> with Blake Griffin still there for the majority of it, and yep. DeAndre Jordan there the entire time. And this Clippers team is way better. Which he, is crazy. They, the Clippers of all teams, a team 
that I love making fun of, uh, just as a petty fan of watching people's hopes get crushed repeatedly. Like, that's <laughs> funny to me. Uh, I think probably because I relate. But, man, Doc Rivers went from a, we have three good players, and that is it, <laughs> to we have an actual basketball team. They have no bad players. Their no entire players. roster is doing what they're supposed to. Uh, Tobias Harris, incredible year. Uh, Harold, we talked before, coming off the bench, putting up incredible. I mean, it's just players getting minutes that didn't get minutes before because he was so handcuffed to playing, including his own son, players that were just supposed to get the minutes. And now he's like, oh, wait, I don't have a star on my team. I can coach an actual basketball team. Like it's it's honestly it's like watching it college feel, basketball. I was say, it feels like a college basketball team where Doc Rivers can say, "I'm one of the smartest coaches in the NBA, and I'm going to prove to he you need, that I and am." He needs to prove and it's it too. Been so long, he's everybody's been talking. Has Doc lost it? Has Doc lost well, it? Thing, his, for success, years his success, his success was always determined on some big three. Like his Clippers' success was Paul Griffin and Jordan. He, sure, you got a ring with the Celtics, but it'd be pretty hard not to with Alan Garnett. Pierce and a very incredible young Rondo. Thank like, you. Rondo was the most important player absolutely. on that team. Don't he, at me. He about made that. it all work. It's cool to see a coach, and there's lots of them who you get your rings or you get your accolades because your roster is stacked. Seeing one of those guys get dropped on this team and see what happens. Like, it's the same logic that like what impresses me with Brad Stevens is what he can get out of guys that shouldn't be giving him what they are. Butler was exactly what I think. The fact that he got that much success out of those guys is incredible. And it, I always think this, like, what if we put Steve Kerr on the Suns? What would happen? Like, make a, quote, great coach, coach a not-so-great team, and see what happens. And I love seeing Doc Rivers do this because he has been crapped on for the last plenty of years because it's what can he really do? Like, it's the old LeBron, like, adage of, Oh, he just rolls out a ball and his players do the work for him. Like these players aren't doing this on their own. Something's happening. And maybe we should give Jerry West some love putting this team together. When he went over there, that was weird. And maybe he's had a lot more to do with it. The draft decisions were great. The pieces they brought in, the minutes they're giving out, like props to the Clippers. Definitely the most outstanding team through the first quarter. Like I get the Raptors are great. But the Raptors were, were a great number one year. team in the East that replaced their best player with an even better player. And Danny Green. The Clippers were the Clippers. And they lost their three best players in the span of two years and are now the first team in the West. In Austin Incredible. <laughs> I forgot. Sorry, dude. The glue, Austin Rivers. The guy that held it all together. Yeah, 13th I mean, man of the year, Austin look, Rivers. Props to the Clippers. I think this will be a fun one to look back on and listen to again when we're 42 games, 41 games through. Uh, but for those who have been listening for the first, you know, couple weeks of the NBA, those that are listening to the off season, thanks for listening. We're enjoying doing this. This is a great episode for you to give us some feedback. Feel free to tweet us. Feel free to reach out on whatever, even if that's a comment just on the podcast on Apple. Let us know what you think. Let us know who your MVP is. Let us know who you think the coach of the year is. Give us some feedback because we love knowing that you're listening and we love knowing that you're enjoying it. Uh, So, again, if you want to listen to it or share it with others, make sure to go to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or 9450sports.com. And, again, Ethan Shutt, Ryan Shutt, Philip Russell, this is 9450, an NBA podcast. We out.